Welcome to the Overflow Podcast. We pray you are encouraged by this message. For more info, notes, or other messages, download the Overflow Church app or visit our website at overflowdfw.com. And so what we're talking about is the values, the virtues, the viewpoints that we have as believers, and that's all rooted in the nature of God. And we spent a lot of time last week talking about God's holiness. If you weren't here last week, then download the app or go uh, to the podcast store, wherever you listen to podcasts, and make sure to listen to that message because we'll be referring to that message a lot today. And, you know, one of the things that, that we have in our world today is that everybody, and this is probably an age-old issue. Everybody's trying to figure out how can we make the world a better place, right? And that is good motivation. We, we should want the world uh, to be better. And so we are doing, we try to have all these like movements and all these campaigns to try to make the world a better place because everybody really knows deep down that the world is jacked up. The world is a mess. We know this. We, nobody has to tell us this. We just know this. There's, there's things like poverty, and there's people all over the world that die just because they don't have water that we wash our hands in every day. They don't have clean water to drink. There's poverty. There's, there's issues of, of slavery. There's, there's all these ignorance issues in the world where people can't get educated. So the world is full of all of these issues. So humanity does what we should do is try to take care of all these issues. But the problem is, is many times we're trying to fill a spiritual void with a natural remedy. And the reality is, is that you can't fix it, the issues of the world with, sim- they're not simply social. These aren't just social issues. These are spiritual issues and spiritual issues cannot be solved with natural solution. Spiritual issues must be solved with spiritual solutions. And God created a remedy in Jesus Christ to solve the issues of our broken, jacked up, fallen world. Because the problem aren't these issues. The problem is that we live in a broken, fallen world. The issue is sin. That's the issue. However, God provided the solution in Jesus. And so we love that. We, we, we celebrate that. We rejoice in that. But the real, listen, the real solution that the world needs is revival. We don't need a better government. We don't need a more humanitarian effort. All that stuff's great, but those are just band-aids on the cancer of sin. What we need is we need revival, not just in America. We need revival, global revival outpouring of the presence of Jesus to solve the issues of humanity. And how many know that revival is inside of you? If you are a follower of Christ, you have the answer to the world. What are you doing with it? Isaiah chapter 35 speaks of revival this way. You ready? Isaiah 35. Even the wilderness and desert will be glad in those days. The wasteland will rejoice and blossom with spring crocuses. Crocuses are like a flower. I didn't know that until I looked it up. Yes, there will be an abundance of flowers and singing and joy. The desert will become as green as the mountains of Lebanon and as lovely as Mount Carmel or the plain of Sharon, which were beautiful, green, lush places. So it says the desert is going to be lush. There the Lord will display his glory, the splendor of our God. That sounds like good news. So God says in the desert place, in the place where there is no life, he will reveal his glory, his splendor. With this news, strengthen those who have tired hands and encourage those who have weak knees. 
Say to those with fearful hearts, be strong. Do not fear, for, the, for your God is coming to destroy your enemies. Now, we talk about enemies there. We're not talking about people. We're talking about issues. We're talking about poverty. We're talking about slavery. Come on, are you with me? We're talking about sin and shame. We're talking about those enemies. He is coming to save you. Look at your neighbor and say, he's coming for you. I mean, you know, it's a good thing when Jesus is coming for you. Some of you are like, oh, yeah, he's coming for you. And when he comes, he will open the eyes of the blind and unplug the ears of the deaf. The lame will leap like a deer, and those who cannot speak will sing for joy. Springs will gush forth in the wilderness, and streams will water the wastelands. So all these places where there's no life, it's going to come alive. The parched ground will become a pool, and springs of water will satisfy the thirsty land. Marsh grass and reeds uh, and rushes with flourish where the desert jackal once lived. Verse 8, and a great road, here we go. And a great road will go through that once deserted land. It will be named the highway of holiness. Say that. Say the highway of holiness. So there's a road to this place. The road is called the highway of holiness. Evil-minded people will never travel on it. It will only be for those who walk in God's ways. Fools will never walk there. Lions will not lurk along its course, nor any other ferocious beast. There will be no dangers. Only the redeemed will walk on it. Those who have been ransomed by the Lord will return. They will enter Jerusalem singing, crowned with everlasting joy. Sorrow and mourning will disappear, and they will be filled with joy and gladness. How many know that this scripture is talking about the kingdom of God? It's not talking about heaven when you die. It's talking about in a desert place, like a world that we live in, that God is going to provide life. There's going to be healing. There's going to be signs, miracles, and wonders, but there is a way to get there. There is a way to get to this place. And the way isn't just a bunch of prayer meetings. When we talk about revival, we're not talking about coming and having a bunch of meetings every night. That might or might not happen. But what we're talking about, when we're talking about revivals, we're talking about supernatural activity, the kingdom of God overriding the kingdoms of this world. That Jesus enthroned in the lives and the hearts of people, taking dominion over sickness, poverty, disease, all of that. That's what we're talking about when we're talking about revival. And God wants to bring it, and he wants to bring it through this highway called holiness. Now, last week we talked about holiness, and holiness, holy means the other than. It means uncommon. So what is he talking about? He's talking about an uncommon way to get there. See, the world has its solution. We just raise all this money, and then we send money to corrupt governments so they don't do anything in the money. There's no wisdom there. When we talk about the highway of holiness, it's, listen, it's the uncommon way. It's the road less traveled. Jesus said it this way in Matthew chapter 7. He said, small is the gate and narrow is the road that leads to life, and only a few find it. So there's a revival. There's a road that leads to this place, but only a few are going to find it because only a few are willing to travel down it. Hebrews chapter 12 verse 14 says this, without holiness, no one will see the Lord. Listen, that's New Testament scripture. Without holiness, no one will see the Lord. And when we look at that, we're like, oh my gosh, I better get holy, right? That's what we say. But can I tell you, beloved, listen, your loved ones, without holiness, they won't see the Lord. 
without holiness being displayed in your life, without you traveling down that highway of holiness, the people around you that you're trying to influence, that you're trying to bring to Jesus, that you're trying to see miracles happen in their life, that will not happen without holiness. And that holiness will first be displayed in you before it is displayed in them. See, holiness isn't just your way to God. It's also somebody else's. And what we've done, sadly, in Christian culture is that we've tried to modify ourselves to look more like the world, thinking that will bring revival. And it might fill our churches with people, but it's not going to bring the heart transformation that brings real revival. And I'm not interested in just having more people with empty souls. I'm interested in seeing the kingdom advancing and people's lives really being transformed. 1 Peter chapter 2, you okay? As you come to him, the living stone, rejected by men, but chosen by God. And we're going to tie this back in later, so pay attention. As you come to him, the living stone, rejected by God, but chosen, rejected by men, sorry, not rejected by God. Rejected by men, but chosen by God, precious to him. You also, everybody say, that's me like living stones, are being built into a spiritual house to be holy. Everybody say holy. So you're called to be holy. A holy priesthood offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. For in Scripture it says, See, I lay a stone in Zion, a chosen and precious cornerstone, and those who trust in him will never be put to shame. Now to you who believe, this stone is precious. But those who do not believe, the stone the builders rejected has become the capstone. And a stone that causes men to stumble, and a rock that makes them fall. So Jesus, instead of being a blessing, ends up bringing tension to their life. They stumble because, here it is, they stumble because they disobey the message. Why is our world so jacked up? Because they disobey the message, which is also what they were destined for. But you, everybody say me, but you are a chosen people. Yes. You're a royal priesthood. Yes. You are a holy nation. You're not a common nation. Come on. You're not trying to fit into this world. You're holy. You're other than. You're uncommon. You're peculiar. You should be different. We're more concerned. We're more concerned about raising our kids so they'll be liked than they'll be holy. I don't know about you, but I don't really care if my kids are a little bit awkward as long as they have a pure heart. But most parents just want their kids to be loved by everyone, and they go out and just try to fit them into everything, and they end up being a mess the rest of their life because they strive for the approval of people. I want my kids to have a pure heart. How many wish you would have, I wish I would have kept my heart pure when I was younger and would have not been so cool, so caught up in my coolness because that's created a lot of issues in my life. Quit trying to fit into a world that you don't belong to. Sorry, I'm getting ahead of myself. It's coming. A holy nation of people belonging to God. You belong to God. How many of you belong to God? It's good news. You belong to God that you may declare the praises of him who called you out. Everybody say, call me out. He called you out of darkness and into his marvelous light or a wonderful light. 
Verse 10, once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. Well, I'm a person of God. Once you weren't, though. Don't forget, beloved, where you came from. Once, once you didn't belong to God. But do you belong to him now? Once you have not received mercy, but, but now you've received mercy. Now, once you, God poured his mercy. He gave his mercy in Jesus, and you said no to it for a long time. But eventually you said yes to mercy. So now you've received it. You okay? Dear friends, beloved, I encourage you as aliens and strangers in the world to abstain from sinful desires. Here it comes. Strangers in the world, aliens, to abstain from sinful desires that war against your soul. Live such good lives among the pagans. Now, it says pagans there. I know that you have this weird thing. Pagans just means unbelievers, people that don't know God, people that aren't in right relationship with Jesus Christ. Live such good lives among the pagans that though they accuse you of doing wrong, they'll have some accusations. Well, you're doing wrong. They may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. I want to talk today about the highway of holiness. What does it look like traveling down this road called the highway of holiness? Listen, it is a one-way highway. It it has one destination. It has one place. If we're going to follow the highway of holiness, number one, we must have a determined purpose. What is the intention of your life? If I I ask you today, what is your five-year goal? What is your five-year plan? Some of you are like, well, I don't have a five-year plan, but I have a 10-year plan right? It probably has something to do with getting a lot of money or living in a specific kind of house, making a certain kind of income. But but what is the purpose of your life? Beloved, to live consecrated means that we have a holy purpose for our lives, that we are set apart. That word holy means that we're reserved for God's purposes. It's like that ice cream that I talked about last week. We have a, a, a a container of ice cream that we keep in the freezer. That's holy ice cream. That's reserved for a purpose. My kids can't have it. You can't have it. You come in. That's minor lessons ice cream. Only, that is reserved for a purpose. That's holy ice cream. It's reserved. Listen, you are reserved for a purpose. It's not for you to make a lot. Not that there's anything wrong with it, but it's not about you. And it's not about your kingdom. Beloved, it's not even about how you raise your kids and carry on your legacy. If that's not purposed in the purposes of God. To live consecrated means that we are set apart, reserved for God's purposes. Is your life, listen, I'm going to have a a very feel-good series after this one, but you're just going to have to hang with me. Listen, is your life set aside for God's purposes, or have you set him aside for yours? Is your life, your entire life, your livelihood, is it set aside for God's purposes? Or if you set him aside for yours, so you can do your thing and then pray that God blesses it. Listen, I would rather get into the blessing of God. It's not about God's plan for my life. It's about my life for God's plan. I'm saying I'm done with Josh Brown. Josh Brown's plans are so small and so unfulfilling. No matter how good my imagination is, no matter how well-educated I am, my plan is so small, and his plan, it reaches billions. And yours, too. 
I love the Westminster Catechism that says the chief end of man is to glorify God and to enjoy him forever. What is your purpose? To glorify God and to enjoy him forever. Don't get so caught up in the pleasures of this world and the purposes of this life that you miss his purpose, beloved. Number two. Number one, it's a determined purpose. Number two, it's a drastic difference. How does your life, listen, how does your life contrast to those that you know that don't know Christ? Does your life look just like their life? Is your schedule just like their schedule? Are your goals just like their goals? Then what difference is there? What difference has Jesus made? Y'all okay? Listen, 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 14, as obedient children, do not conform to the evil desires you had when you lived in ignorance. But just as he who called you is holy, so be holy. Not do holy, be holy. Be holy in all you do. For it is written, be holy because I am holy. What's he saying? He's saying God's, God's holiness is the standard for mine. <laughs> that's a far reach. Well, that's why you need the grace, which we'll talk about in just a moment. Listen, don't get so caught up in this world and forget who you are. You were bought with a price. You were reserved for God's purposes. Don't get so caught up in, 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 in all of this mess. There should be a drastic difference in your life. Uh, the, the language that he, that he uses there in our, in our passage in 1 Peter chapter 2, he uses language like this, aliens and strangers. That we are like otherworldly. You know, we went on this RV trip a couple of weeks ago, and we went to all these, like, beautiful places. And, and I'll, I'll say this about these beautiful places. The land was beautiful. I could live without the people. Because Texas is home, baby. You know what I'm saying? And it's like, yeah, it might look a little better in Texas. The weather might feel a little bit better than Texas. But when I showed up, it was kind of like, you know, from around here. I mean, you walk in and you stick out like a sore thumb. You know what I'm saying? Why? Because that's not your home. That's not where you belong. You've been there. You showed up at a place that you didn't belong. Some of you showed up at church before and you felt that way. I'm sorry you felt that way. That's one of our things at Overflow that we really cherish is that every person would come here that they feel like they belong here. Because we believe that you belong to the family of God. But you've been to places before and you felt alien and you felt estranged. You're like, what am I doing here? And I'm so uncomfortable. And Listen, that's the way that we should feel all the time in this broken, jacked up world because it is not our home. You're, you're uncomfortable at your job? You're supposed to be uncomfortable at your job because you're salt and you're there to salt the food that everybody else has eaten. You're light. You're there to bring forth the, the glory of God in your environment. In that dark environment, I just want a Christian job. What good is that going to do? I want to work around a bunch of Christians so it's easy. Wouldn't you rather be in a dark place and be a bright light? Listen, we will not impact the world by emulating it. Oh, I just need to be relevant. Listen, Jesus is more than relevant. He's central. You don't need to, you don't need to package Jesus in a way that people accept it. He's perfect the way he is. And we are called, listen, we are called to bring that world that we are a part of here. That is our calling. Our high calling is to make earth look like heaven. Well, I can't wait to get to heaven when I die. But listen, God can't wait to get heaven on the earth right now through you. 
on earth as it is in heaven. He uses this language, alien strangers. The second thing he says is, out of darkness into light. Out of darkness into light. That's drastic. He didn't say out of darkness into the shady area. Because some of you just live shady. You're not living in the light. You, you, you might be kind of out of the darkness, but you got this big shadow you're living in. Something keeping you from the light. And that's shady. Uh, Judah has this thing where he, where he, he gets, he's kind of indignant, you know, righteous indignant, and he'll go, he'll, he'll see some celebrity or something that says they're a Christian, and he'll, he'll, they'll cuss or have some filthy language. And this isn't really something we've programmed him. He's just like, I thought they were a Christian. Like, he'll get all like, he gets all like irate about it. I'm like, man. So like, he, folks, he, he gets something that we are supposed to be different I admire him that I haven't, I, that, 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 I, that, that I've, I've kind of grown a little bit complacent in that conviction, thinking that, you know, oh, this is, it's not a big deal. It's not a big deal. Holy as God is, not a big deal. I mean, that's a pretty big deal. And you guys know how it is, right, when someone says they're a Christian, right? Because it's so easy to do in America, right, where we, we're, it's not going to be that way for long, I don't think. But when you say you're a Christian, and you got to get that look on your face, right, when they go, oh, yeah, I'm a Christian, and you go, what? Right, I think we have that little meme there, and you, you, that kind of pops up. Is Zach Massa mean? He's right. So it says they're a Christian, and you're like, really? "How many y'all know what I'm talking about? You've been there. They told you." Well, just make sure you're not the guy that when you say you're a Christian, somebody's doing that to you. Make sure that you're representing Jesus well. Listen, you're the priesthood. You're the holy nation. All right, we can take that off. Zach Massa. Bye, Zach. He's sitting right here if you want to talk to him about this famous meme. (laughs) Check this out. Jesus talks about this kind of lip service. We think, I'm a Christian because I put it on my Facebook profile. Listen, listen to this. You hypocrites, Matthew chapter 15, here's Jesus. Shady Jesus, you calling people hypocrites. I can't believe you. You hypocrites. Isaiah was right when he prophesied about you. These people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. Does Jesus want you honoring with his lips? Yes, absolutely. Does he want you honoring with, the, with your walk? Yes, absolutely. But he really wants you to honor him from your heart. Because let me tell you what, your lips will reveal your heart. Your actions will reveal your heart. He said, well, that's not really in my heart. That's what I said. That's, that's what came out of you, beloved. <laughs> you all right? Titus 1.6, they claim to know God. But in their actions, they deny him. I got to get a fist bump over here because a good little laugh. Right? They claim to know God, but in their actions, they deny him. How many of you have been guilty of that before? I'm not going to ask for you to raise your hand because we'll all raise it. Listen, how are we representing Jesus in our treatment of folks? In your disagreement. Well, I just made me so mad. Stand up and be the voice of righteousness. But how how are you doing? Because you can be 100% right in your views. And 100% wrong in your values. Because you're more committed to your view and being heard than you are about the person standing in front of you. So you can be 100% right in what you're saying. But 100% wrong in the way that you're saying it. Was it 100% right for them to say, Lord, we praise you. We pray, yeah, 100% right. But 100% wrong because their hearts were far from him. Beloved, that is hypocrisy. 
Are you mean-spirited? Listen, holiness that is mean is not holiness. We've said holiness, we freak out. We're like, oh, it means you can't wear makeup. You got to have your dress or, you know, got to put your hair in a bun or, you know, you got to make sure that you, I don't know, whatever the, the list is, the legalistic list. We, we, we don't like to use the word holiness because people come and ruin it. Listen, anything that is mean-spirited isn't holiness. If it's mean and angry, that's not the spirit of Jesus. That is not holiness. You say, oh, man, man, I don't know. Go, go listen last week. We talked a lot about the holiness of Jesus. Are you sarcastic? Are you volatile? What about your language? Listen, I, I, I've, I've said this. There, gossip is way more pointed out in the scripture than cussing. Let's just be real. However, are you talking just like the world? What, what little acronyms are you using, your abbreviations on your little hashtags, all this kind of stuff that makes you look just like the world? What is different? What is different about your feed than your neighbors that doesn't know the Lord? It, it might do a little bit better if you don't post those scriptures because of the last post you made. Maybe you need to take that Jesus bumper sticker off your car. If you're going to be flipping people off in traffic, please don't put an overflow sticker on your vehicle. If you got road rage, take it off. We love you. Keep coming. We're working on you. Keep, but let's take the sticker off. No more, no more shirts for you, right? <laughs> How much of those shirts? $300. We're so self-consumed. Well, I was trying to make a point. Exactly. You sure were. How about making the point Jesus? How about Jesus being the point of everything? How, how, about, how about your life being centered around the man that you claim? Live such good lives among the pagans. Though they accuse you of doing wrong, they see your good deeds and glorify God. People will come to Jesus because you live differently. Jesus lived differently. He was just an ordinary dude. No, he wasn't. He was completely other than. He's completely holy. That's why people were so blown away by him. Number three. Well, what about grace? Yes, a dependence upon grace. A dependence on grace. What about grace? People say, well, you're preaching this holiness. What about grace? Yes, yes, all of it. See, grace that does not empower holiness is not Grace. It's just, it's just the grace of God, brother. It's the grace. I just, I'm not perfect. Instead, I have the grace. That's right. That's right. So what are you doing now that you got the grace? How are you living now that you got the grace? What part? Of, well, you don't understand grace. What part of grace do you not understand? Because according to Titus chapter 2, verse 11, for the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men, and it teaches us to say, no. See, grace will empower what you say no to and what you say yes to. Grace will empower that. How dependent upon grace we are is determined by what we say yes and no to. For the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men. It teaches us to say no. When I was a kid in grade school in the 80s, come on, they had this Nancy Reagan did this campaign called 
the Just Say No campaign. Anybody remember that? That green shirts. Say no to drugs, right? The Just Say No campaign. Listen, grace. You can wear a green shirt all day long. It's not going to change your behavior unless something happens inside of you. Unless something gets down in the core of you. And this is, if you, if you listen, if you have a desire for sin, and your desire for sin is, is stronger than your desire to draw near to Jesus, then what you need to do is you need to get before the Lord. And you say, Lord, would you do a work in my heart? I want to look like Jesus. The only reason why you don't look more like Jesus is just because you're not spending enough time with him, beloved. Just get before him. You don't have to be perfect to get before him. You just, you just come to him, and you allow him to do that work. We said that last week. Holiness is not something we do. It's something God does in us. The grace of God teaches us to say no to ungodliness and worldly passions, to live self-controlled. You want to be self-controlled? Rely on the grace of Jesus. Maybe, maybe you need to ditch the book and get in the real book. We're reading all these books. Like, dude, I love books. I love all that stuff. I'm all about equipping my mind. I'm reading a book all the time. I'm always reading. I'm, I try to read like 20 books a year. I'm always reading. I'm always listening to podcasts. I'm always growing, always learning. But sometimes if I really want to have the grace of God in my life, I need to get in the book. I need to get in the word of God until the word gets in me and perfects me and clears my mind out. Come on. The renewing of my mind through the washing of the word. I allow that to come into my life and transform my heart. When Paul talks about that, he, he says, be not, be, be not conformed to the world. Neil and I were talking about this this week. Be not conformed to the world. That, that the picture of that word conformed is like there's a press that makes molds. Be not conformed in a press to look like the world. Instead, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Well, how do you renew your mind? By the washing of the word. All right. That was free. It teaches us to say no to ungodliness and worldly passions, to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in this present age. It's so hard to be godly today. I need the grace of God to say no to ungodliness. Number four. You okay? Our declaration of Jesus. A declaration of Jesus. What is your declaration of Jesus? What do you say about him? See, one of the greatest ways that we're set apart is what we say about Jesus. We, we, we like to think that, you know, the, the world just has a misunderstanding of Jesus today because Jesus wasn't here. Listen, people misunderstood Jesus in the Bible. Check this out. Matthew chapter 16. When Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, who do the people, who do people say the Son of Man is? And here he is with his disciples. Who do, who, what, are, what are people saying about me? Who are, who are they saying I am? Well, some say John the Baptist. Well, that's weird. I mean, he like baptized me. So that's weird. Others say Elijah. Well, that's weird. He died a long time ago. Others say Jeremiah or one of the prophets. And Jesus didn't go through a list on, well, let me prove to you why I'm not those people. No, no, no. He asked, but what about you? What do you who do you say I am? And Simon Peter answered, as always, and he got this one right, and this changed everything. Listen. Simon Peter answered, he said, you are Christ. You are the Christ. You are the son of the living God. And Peter looks at him. And Jesus is looking at him. I, I, I think Jesus was nodding. He's like, yeah. And let me tell you what, boy. You're Peter. And upon this rock, upon this revelation that you had of me, I'm going to build my church. And the gates of hell will not prevail against it. 
And whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. And whatever you loose on the earth will be loosed in heaven. Jesus is telling Peter, listen, you are going to lead the greatest movement the world has ever seen because of one thing. Not because of your humanitarian effort. Not because you were perfect, but because you got it. You got who I was. Listen, what is your declaration of Jesus? The highway of holiness is this. We believe Jesus. He is who he says he is. The world has their opinion. Oh, we, we, you know, isn't it funny? We talked about this last week. Isn't this funny how the world likes to quote Jesus, but ignore most of what he said? Oh, we like Jesus. We really like Jesus. Do you like him enough to believe what he said about himself? Is he a liar that only some of the things he said was true? Is he a lunatic? Was he out of his mind by saying that he's the only way to the Father? Or is he Lord? Is he the man that he said he is? What is your declaration of Jesus? Is he just a historical figure that you read in the scriptures? What is your declaration? What is your life declaring about who Jesus is? Is he just an inspirational personality to you? Someone that you can quote whenever it fits your agenda? Or is he the king of kings and the Lord of lords who has a fire in his eye and a passion in his heart for you that desires you so much, but also desires to see your life totally transformed and see the world transformed through you? You know, we started off a little bit talking about these stones that it was talking about in First Peter And he says this, that he is the cornerstone. He's the stone that all other stones, when they would build in those days, they would get a cornerstone. It would be the biggest stone out of the pile. And it was the most perfect stone they could find. In this case, with Jesus, the most perfect stone. And they would establish that stone as a cornerstone. And they would build the rest of the house around this corner where it was. And so he told Peter, based on this revelation, you're a stone, right? Then, he, then, then uh, Peter comes in here. Isn't that good? Who knows a lot about stones? First Peter comes in, and, and, and he, who has a revelation of rocks and stones. He's going to build his church. Then he says, you are living stones also. So Peter had this revelation. You have this revelation, and you're all built around this cornerstone, Jesus. He says, however, some people got it wrong. They rejected Jesus, the cornerstone. Now it's just a stone over here on the ground. They don't know what to do with it, and they stumble over it. Listen, are you building your life on Jesus, the real Jesus? Or has he become just a stumbling stone for you that you kind of get through life, and every once in a while you bump into? Would we establish in our lives the rightful position of Jesus in our declaration. Are you okay today?